All right, welcome. This is John Adolfi with the Lost World Museum, and we are going to be talking about giant humans this morning. Giant humans. Usually that's vaudeville, circus, uh, oddity. Um, most of the time we see these things in photographs, old photographs, but never do we really get an opportunity to see it in person. I don't know what the tallest person you've ever seen, but I have been uh, next to at least two people that were seven feet tall and they were remarkably tall. But that's about it for me. But we're going to be talking about humans that far exceed even the seven foot mark. Now, before we get going, I'd just like to say that the uh, medical definition of a giant is anyone who is more than one feet three inches tall than the average male or female. So for men, that's seven foot one. And for women, that's six foot seven. And as I say in the seminars, a lot of times people say that's not a giant. That's just being uh, athletically gifted. <laughs> You'll see a lot of these athletes who are tall and strong too. But rarely do you see that strength go beyond the seven foot mark. You know, in basketball, you have those occasional anomalies where they're seven foot, seven foot two and are very strong and very capable people. But that's about the upper limit at least these days, okay? So let's talk about before these days and where we can, where do we get this idea of giant humans? The evidence of giants. This morning, we're gonna talk about some of the evidence. There is more than just this, but we're just gonna hit on a few. We're gonna go back to Genesis for a second, and we're just going to ask the question, were these people, real or not? And were they also giants or tall or not? Interesting question. Let's find out. If they were giants, as I am going to postulate here, our museum believes that humans before the flood and even after the flood of, I'm talking about the worldwide flood of Noah, 4,500 years ago, that humans were larger, more robust, stronger, even after the flood, and there's evidences of that. Bear with me. But just to give you a glimpse as to what does it look like to, what does it look like proportionately? Now, I'm going to show you something here. You see these two blocks? These are just nothing more than represent, repre representations of a six-foot person, all right? When we say that a six-foot person is, you know, next to a 12-foot person, we'd say, oh, they're twice as tall, right? Well, the thing is, is that when they're twice as tall, they're also wider and thicker. It's, it's like exponential. So if you were to say, hey, I'm going to double the size of a cube, well, you're going to actually have to take in consideration that when you double the size of a cube, not just height, but girth, and again, this is not a proportional representation as far as a human, but you get the idea. They're larger. Let me give you another example. This ring right here was um, a sideshow souvenir from, and you see the, the letters on there, JP, Johan Peterson. He was an Icelandic giant, seven foot eight, weighed 359 pounds. Now notice, he's seven foot eight, I'm six foot two. Uh, he is one foot six inches taller than I. This is his ring finger. Here is my pinky finger and my ring finger. Notice the difference between his girth and mine. He's only a foot and six inches taller than me, but yet his ring size is huge. 
and that's my thumb and that's not his that's not his ring finger his ring finger would be right here <laughs> so we are postulating that noah was 12 feet tall adam 14 to 15 feet tall yep and let's see what that looks like compared to modern humans today it's a big difference okay and you can see that it's not just twice as tall and that is accurate as far as the proportion is concerned. So a modern couple today, we think we're pretty something special. Well, we were actually even more special in some respects um, way back when. The tallest human in the world, modern-wise, is Robert Wadlow. He lived during the 1920s, 1940. He died in 1940. He was 11, excuse me, he was eight feet, 11 inches tall. And you can see there that just someone approaching just one inch shy of nine feet is huge. Now understand that he has a pituitary problem. He has a pituitary gland issue, which makes him weak. And his legs are a little bit longer than normal. His hands are a little bit longer than normal. His face can be a little longer, pronounced forehead and they call it acromegaly. Um, it is a pituitary problem and they usually begin growth spurts very early on in childhood and continue that until adulthood. The thing is, is that, uh, and they die very young. Uh, he was only in his twenties when he died. And, um, but look at that, that's eight feet 11. Goliath uh, from 3000 years ago was nine inches, at least nine inches taller uh, actually, 10 inches taller than Robert Wadlow. 10 inches. 10 inches. So that means that you put another almost head on top of him, and that's Goliath. But then again, Goliath was a warrior. He was proportioned, and he was also a genetic giant. Those who were actually born like this, born without a pituitary problem. And we're going to, in future presentations, we'll get more into the specifics of that. But I want to give you a historical overview of giant humans. So I want you to ask yourself, who said this when I show you this quote? On the earth once were giants. Now, you could probably try to guess and say, oh, that's got to be right straight out of Genesis 6, right? Well, it's not. And I think you'll be very surprised who said this. And what you're going to find is, is that every once in a while, you'll see something show up in one of the ancient writers or historians uh, that are something like this or talking about the long-lived ages of humans. This was written by the Greek historian Homer, 700 B.C. And by the way, just as an anecdote, some people don't even believe Homer actually existed. Now, there's two works of his, and I guess there's some apocryphal works or some works that are assigned him, but um, they're not even sure the exact time that he lived. They don't know exactly when he lived and died. So there's a little bit of mystery behind uh, Homer. But he was quoted, if he existed, as saying this. Where is he getting this idea that on the earth once were giants? Interesting. There were giants on the earth in those days. Hmm, who said that? This one's a little bit easier. Moses, 1440 BC. He wrote that, he was directed to write that, and he knew of giants. And 
these, this is taken from Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. There were giants on the earth in those days. And it continues on, it says, and even after. And they're talking about the flood. So there were giants before the flood. There were giants after the flood. But that didn't last very long, unfortunately. Uh, matter of fact, um, what happened after the flood was within one generation, actually a half a generation, the age dropped dramatically. Noah lived, uh, Noah was 600 years old when he got off the ark, 601 years old. He lived another 350 years in this strange new environment called post-flood environment, which was different than what it was before. It was much healthier, supported giantism, it supported health, it, it supported a robustness that allowed people to live for a very long period of time. Uh, that's the reason why we see plants more lush, more abundant, animals larger. Um, even the insects were larger. We have versions of them today, but when you look at a dragonfly that was flitting about with 26 inch wingspan, you can't have that in this environment because they, they can't breathe. But in that environment, they could because it supported it. So there were giants on the earth in those days and afterwards. So what happened afterwards was that giantism still persisted, probably for a shorter, shorter period of time than we, um, we would hope, at least you know the, those who are going through it, because, because of the environment, and it may also be environmental and even moral degradation. Take your pick, or all three. Um, the ages we can we can track the ages of of the of the lineages that are given there. And even though Noah was not affected by living his last 350 years out after the flood, his son Shem was. He was 100 years old when he boarded the ark. 101 when he got off. And he lived another 550 years. So his, his majority of his life was lived post-flood. And you can see the effect that it had on his age. It shaved off 300 years right off the bat. And he had the privilege of being not only born in that era and also in that environment, living the first 100 years in that environment, but it wasn't enough. The devastation that took place after the flood had created an environment that... Um, dumbed down sizes of things and also the ages of humans. And so the second generation, I'm talking about the generation that came after Shem, they lived to be in the 400s, 400s, next generation after that, and then it plummets to 200, 200, then anywhere between 130 to 175, and then you know, that continued on until where we, where we are today. And even David said, you know, as happy as a man, you know, that can live to be 70 or 80 years old. And I'm not quoting verbatim, but he uses those numbers. Uh, and that's, we're talking 1000 BC. And the flood, we're talking 24, 2348 BC. So just in a 1400 year period, uh, we see that, that uh, much took place. Now, ironically enough, in 1440 BC, around the time of Noah, we, or excuse me, Moses, we see that there are pockets of giants still around. And in 1000 BC, Goliath steps out of the shadows, him and his giant father and his other four brothers, and were part of this gigantic um, heritage that still persisted in pockets. Even today, the Watutsis in Africa and the uh, a northern tribe in uh, China, where um, Yao Ming, the uh, the basketball player, came from, are still relatively large, 
And if I remember correctly, the Watutsis are like somewhere between like six, five to seven feet, you know, on the average for men. They're thin. So they're like spindly compared to what, you know, some have been in the past, but very interesting. All right, let's move on. Check this out now. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and just reduce my little picture here. I'm going to quote it and then you can see who already said it. And this is 96 AD. This gentleman here by the name of Josephus, a Jewish historian, wrote this for which and he's talking about the Israelites, for which reason they removed their camp to Hebron. And when they had taken it, they slew all the inhabitants. There were till then left the race of giants who had bodies so large and countenances so entirely different from other men that they were surprising to the sight and terrible to the hearing. The bones of these men are still shown to this very day, unlike to any credible relations of other men. Isn't that incredible? And that was just 2,000 years ago. Newspaper accounts. Check this out. We're going to fast forward to the 1800s. This is uh, this was written in the. Um, I'm going to try this. Olween, Fayette County, Iowa, Thursday, November 8th, 1894. Giants of prehistoric France, in a prehistoric cemetery recently uncovered in Montpellier, France, while workmen were. Uh, excavating a waterworks reservoir, human skulls were found measuring 28, 31, and 32 inches in circumference. The bones which were uh, which were found with the skulls were also of gigantic proportions. These relics were sent to the Paris Academy, and a learned savant who lectured on the find says that they belong to a race of men between 10 to 15 feet in height. Interesting. Here's from the Quincy Weekly, WIG, <laughs> 1891, in uh, Catawaca, Catawaga? Chautauqua. <laughs> Chautauqua. I should know this. I live in New York. Chautauqua, New York. <laughs> I know Chautauqua. I couldn't. July 24th, so it was just a week before, while some workmen were grading a lake at Lakewood, on the east side of the lake today, they unearthed two human skeletons, one of a man, one of the woman. They were of giant size, the femur bone of the man measuring 30 inches. 30 inches. Huge. That femur means that this gentleman was 9 feet 3 inches tall. Pretty big. Archaeological illustration. That's when somebody sees something on a site and then they sketch it. Okay. Um, you be believe it or not, it, it's a viable way of um, cataloging uh, artifacts uh, in situ or when they find them. Uh, you would think that photographs alone would take care of the any kind of documentation. But oddly enough, archaeological illustration is a way of documenting these as well. And apparently there is, you know, some value in this. Well, this is a little bit cruder than actually a professional archaeological illustrator about what I'm about to share with you. But let me ch check this out. Mount, this was in the in the newspaper, Mount Whitney, California, described as a human footprint with five toes, ready for this, 24 inches long and nine foot strides. Dinosaur tracks adjacent to these. 
And here is the, here is the crude but archaeological illustration of that uh, find. And it says here, if you'll notice on the bottom, those were the five-toed human footprints, and the ones above it were the three-toed dinosaur prints. And some of the notes says here, man's foot about 24 inches, nine foot stride, uh, dinosaur toes, and man tracks, five toes, 1921. Looked like they were walking when the lake bed was a little soft and then it dried. And that's what that says there. Interesting, huh? Backside of Mount Whitney. You would think that, hey, we need to run over there and find them. I did call down there back in 2009 and my notes only say that the, the guy that was there who was new was going to look into it, but nothing resulted from it that I'm aware of. I want to share with you some carved images of depictions of giant human figures. And there's just a few of them. I found this very interesting. So in antiquity, on either statues or reliefs, you know, you will find uh, a relative uh, disparity between uh, one or more figures with the rest of the people. Now, interestingly enough, in the book, um, Genesis 6 Giants by Stephen Quayle, he says that the, the, the people that we know as Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, all the Greek gods had their beginning in uh, northern or parts of, of Europe way, way, way back. I'm talking right in the very almost, you know, shortly after the flood type, you know, after the disbursement, after the Tower of Babel. And here's the thing that he said. Now, I, don't, I haven't read it in a while, but I'll, I'll try to remember as much as I can. He said that the historians said, like Strabo and whatnot, that these men were actually people that lived. They were worshipped in part because of their intelligence and size. They were far different than everyone else. So it was like Goliath with an intellectual brain being able to lead people. And because of their massive, massive size, in comparison to the rest of the populace, they were looked upon as a god, worshipped as a god. I mean, even Hirohito during World War II declared himself to be divine. So that's not like anything new. But the remarkableness of, of their size and capabilities of their with their strength were certainly something to behold. And the contrast between, let's say, an 11-foot-tall uh, Neptune, okay, King Neptune, they were to worship him and then, or they would die. And then they were continued to be forced to worship these deities, so to speak, uh, even after they, even after the giant died. And those names continued on in a form of worship and then became the names of some of the Greek and Roman gods. That's my thumb sketch understanding after reading that one book. I have not read that anywhere else. Just thought I'd share that with you. So when you see these, you could either interpret it as, well, I'm the leader. I want to make myself bigger than everyone else. But some of these differences are pretty subtle. Like look over to your left there where you see a, a, a woman-like uh, person draped in, um, in uh, cloth. You know, the difference between there and there is probably a good foot and a half, but uh, maybe two feet. But, you know, it's not like it's I'm gigantic and you're very puny and I am God and, you know, a, a God and you are not. You don't see that there. You see some nuances. And also, too, you you look over here where 
um, and I'll show you some close-ups of these um, right there where um, it looks Mayan. Uh, so go to the second row down and from the left, go over three and you'll see a side view of a Mayan and there's somebody in back of him that shows their size compared to this uh, Mayan relief. So St. Christopher, I'm not sure if this is St. Christopher or not, but St. <clears throat> Christopher is supposed to be a giant. I did not know that. St. Christopher was supposedly a giant human. And there's more than just one documentation on that. That's like, if you look a little bit into it, you'll find out that he's extraordinarily tall. How tall? I don't know. <clears throat> so the king of Babylon, you know, see this height difference. If this person is a good, you know, even if this person was five foot five, this guy is what, six foot five? You know, you ask any Native American, especially the older Native Americans, if they know of giants uh, personally, and they'll tell you, yes, they knew of, of Native Americans that were seven feet tall. Um, they also have a history of giantism within their, their um, lineage, and they'll tell you as such. In the United States, when we unburied, there's hundreds, I don't know, maybe there were thousands of mounds in the United States. When we started digging into those in the 1800s, Guess what we found in there? Human bones, large human bones, anywhere between seven feet to 11 feet. Ironically enough, were whisked away, taken away by the Smithsonian Institution for study. And the newspaper reported it as a matter of fact thing, but never to be found again. And they didn't do it just once. They did it multiple, multiple times. Now, this person is not larger than the other person, but you'll also see a number of statues or reliefs with normal sized animals inside and being grabbed or held or, or standing next to giant sized people. And this one may or may not be a little exaggerated, but I've seen ones that are even a little bit, the, the animals a little bit larger, but there there's a number of them where they're like that, holding smaller, versions of animals, and I don't believe they're just smaller versions. This is suggesting that the people themselves were larger and those animals were normal size. Even this Egyptian woman, if she stood up, uh, even though she, her feet is on the pedestal, if she stepped down from the pedestal and stood up, she would tower over this woman. And I don't think this is, you know, this could be ego, could be exaggeration, or at least if 10% of these are for real, that they really were larger and they're depicting them accurately for no other reason other than that's the way it was. There you go. And there's that, that Mayan relief I was talking about. You've got one person on the left and one person on the right. Now they're both uh, kneeling, but if you stood those two guys up and stood him up, there wouldn't be any, you know, question as to how uh, tall these folks are. Each of them. Now, Og is in the Bible as well, too. And that book right there talks about Og. He was the king of Bashan. And Og, the king of Bashan, was a giant. How do we know that? In the Bible, it says that his bed doesn't give his height, but the bed was, was nine cubits, which if you use the 18-inch cubit, um, you come up with 13 and a half feet. His bed was made out of iron and it was any, no less than 13 and a half feet long and six feet wide. The remnants of one of the, of the cities that the, of Bashan, the giant cities of Bashan, are a leftover of 
what was constructed by giants, or at least by a giant leader by the name of Og. And that's where we get the word ogre, by the way, from, Og. And an ogre is somebody you would consider kind of large and lumbering. <laughs> but these giants were far from lumbering or unintelligent, believe me. They were leaders. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants, and behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Nine cubits was its length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. And this gives you an idea of how big, if you use an 18-inch cubit, how big these men were. Ordinary Jewish guy, they're coming in at five foot three. Um, the Septuagint and, um, a, let me see, the Jewish um, Talmud has Goliath at four cubits in a span, which is a little bit nuts because, you see, let's say the average Jewish person was five foot three. King Saul, who was the king of the Jewish army, was one head above all his other men. So if King Saul was, let's just go low on his end. Let's say King Saul was six two, six three. You wouldn't fear a Goliath at six foot eight. That doesn't make any sense. But take a look at take a look at uh, Goliath. Now imagine if Saul was six foot eight, would you be a little bit nervous at a nine foot seven Goliath? Or if Goliath was more closer to eleven feet, as they have Og here on the right, would you say that you'd be a little bit intimidated going and having to fight an eleven foot person? And Goliath may have been as 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 tall as as eleven and a half feet, depending on the cubit you use. Again, here we go. Modern man, six foot, Goliath. There you go. Ten foot four. I'll go with that. The Irish giant, which was a fake. That's um, I didn't even include it in this. And King Og, they got him at 15 feet. There you go. So that gives you an idea. See how much bigger they are? It's not, they're more robust. Now, ironically enough, and we're not going to go into it in, in any detail, but um, the megalithic rocks, megalithic stones. We're talking about stones that are like 50, 100, 200, 1,000 tons that were moved by the ancients. Whether you go to Peru, whether you go to um, Lebanon, or Stonehenge up in, uh, up in uh, Great Britain area, Every, the, the, those who are the locals that know the legends best will tell you that giants were the ones that built those, giant humans. Now, you can understand that if a six-foot modern man were to create Stonehenge, they would, there would be, um, obviously, friction points is a mild way of saying it, challenges in order to be able to do that. But if you have somebody that is 10 or 12 feet, that is 20 times, and I'm just using that, maybe that's hyperbole, 20 times stronger then the modern man, very healthy, very robust, and very capable. It reduces the amount of pulleys that you have to put <laughs> into the equation to lift these things and to move them around, fashion them, and carve them, and move them into place. You know, one thing that's interesting about Stonehenge, when you have uh, blocks of stone that heavy, you have to account for how far they're going to sink into the ground before you put the lentil or the thing on top, the two. So there was one here and one here, and the lentil would go on top. You'd want that lentil to be level, not like this. If you have two rocks that are setting on the ground and they're not perfectly matched, perfectly matched weight-wise, or the ground underneath one 
is a little different than the ground underneath the other, you're going to see this happen. That doesn't happen at Stonehenge. For whatever, however they did it, they were able to match the stone and the, and the, and the sinkage so that the lentil is straight across. Interesting. And there is an example right there of a bed, 2,800-year-old royal bed that was made out of wood and covered in ivory from Cyprus. So whether Og's bed was pure iron or covered in iron, um, there's, a, there's an example of an ancient bed. Oh, and there's more, folks. There's more, but not today. We're going we're gonna to end our presentation, but not before I give you a quick bonus. One of the presentations coming up in one of the videos that we're going to be doing is on the Cardiff Giant. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. It's a fascinating story. So that's what we're going to be that's what we're going to be presenting here soon. <clears throat> now, just a brief announcement. Those of you who are hearing this or watching this, um, it is uh, December 19th, 2020, and December 26th, 2020. We're going. My wife and I are going to Peru. For a, I'll be going gone for a little over a week. My wife is going to stay down there for a little bit longer. And we are going to be asking all the people we come in contact with, tell us about, you know, do you have any knowledge about the ancient technology that was used in order to build these megalithic structures? We're going to touch them. We're going to photograph them. We're going to stream live on TikTok. And we are going to ask the people about giant humans. They'll have plenty to say. And if it's in Spanish, we'll get it translated. And we're going to ask about quinoa, because my understanding is that quinoa, that the genius giants of those of, of, of yesterday, of yesteryear, were the ones that created this food stuff in order to continue their robustness, strength, and the ability to move stones, according to one Peruvian local that shared that information with us this summer. So we're going down there to do that. All right, you guys are awesome. I'm going to end the, the, um, uh, the recording, and then we shall have our Q&A.